Praise God. It's wonderful to be in the house of the Lord. It's always good to be with my friends in Augusta, and um, I realize to most of you I'm not a stranger, and uh, to those of you that maybe are new to my ministry, uh, we greet you this morning on behalf of this great church in the exalted name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of John Uh, chapter 5 in just a moment. I want to tell you I'm very excited about uh, the Word of God, as you will find out quickly. If if there's any possibility, if I could get a little water, uh, that would be wonderful. Um, I'm very excited about the Word of the Lord, which I I think you will, will see in my preaching, but I'm particularly excited about the Word that the Lord has given me for tonight. And uh, I don't like to say that in one service that is not the service that I'm talking about because I don't want you to feel that I am going to give a word that I'm less excited about this morning. However, this morning will be foundational for this evening. So in other words, I am going to preach uh, not quite a part one and a part two, but I am going to introduce some concepts that I intend to preach about tonight. It is wonderful to see all of you in the house of the Lord this morning. I know our gatherings have been uh, somewhat restricted, whether by, uh, um, whether by imposition or whether by uh, uh, just personal caution, and we understand that, but I rejoice that we can get together, amen, again, that we can resume our fellowship The church, I thank God for online services. I greet all of those that are watching online today. Howard, who we prayed for yesterday, I hope you're watching this morning. We're still praying for you. And uh, we are so delighted, thank you so much, for the online venue. But I want you to know that I don't believe that that is what God intends for the church in the future. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. We we can't just come together and meet. We have got to assemble when we get together. We are a body that is fitly framed. And as much as I appreciate the fact that we've been connected via technology, we cannot assemble together at home. So I thank God that uh, we are able to come together again, observing protocols and, and, and being careful, but I thank God for that. I thank God that today is the meteorological last day of winter. Amen. Now, they're anticipating a little bit of snow tomorrow morning, but I'm still thanking God that it is the meteorological last day of winter. I am looking forward to spring, aren't you? Amen. The Gospel of St. John, chapter 5, if you'd stand with me. I'd like to begin reading in verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. 
In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Did anybody feel the moving of the water already this morning? For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled. It doesn't say move the water. It says the angel troubled the water. I want you to realize that the spiritual shadows the natural, or maybe put in a better, proper context, the natural shadows the spiritual. And we are in a great time of turmoil and uncertainty. I don't intend to focus on that this morning. But there are some things that are being troubled in our world. And it doesn't make sense to deny it. It is obvious to anyone that is even remotely attentive that there are things that are being troubled in our world. And in the spirit, there is a troubling going on. But I want to tell you what I see prophetically according to the word of God. The angel went down at a certain season, it was a a specific period of time, into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole from whatever disease he had. So healing followed trouble to those that were not afraid to step in first. To those that had faith even after the trouble, healing and restoration came. And if I don't say anything else, that right there ought to be worth coming, but I'm not done. And a certain man was, I just didn't want to dash, you know, any hopes. A certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou? Do you will it to be made whole? And the impotent man answered him. Notice he doesn't answer the question. He gives the reasons why he has been laying in that bed for 38 years. I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. And Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. Now notice there was not supposed to be a healing on the Sabbath. There was not supposed to be any work done on the Sabbath. But the Lord of the Sabbath on the Sabbath healed the lame man after the waters were troubled. 
With the help of the Lord, I want to preach to you for just a little while on this subject. A new normal. A new normal. Pastor, would you lead us in prayer over God's Word today? Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I pray the anointing. I feel the anointing right now. God, I pray, Lord, that your anointing would be upon the men of God and also upon all the people, O oh God, who are listening, Lord God, in the building and online. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. God wants to change your concept of what is normal. Now, you've wanted to do this for a long time, whether you're willing to admit it or not. So I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you're not normal anyhow. Amen. Look at the neighbor on the other side of you and say, you're not normal. You know you want to do it. Amen. Normal. I hope I didn't mess up my whole message right there. Normal is a subjective term. Irma Bombeck famously said it was just a setting on your dryer. Well, one person, you'll get that later if you haven't heard it already. What one person considers normal, another person considers abnormal. Sometimes, matter of fact, all the time, normal is just what you're, you're used to. It's not necessarily the ideal. It's not necessarily what God has for you. It's what you've grown accustomed to. It is impossible to be delivered from something that you consider normal. The first step towards deliverance is when you realize that you're, it may be your experience, but that doesn't make it normal. Peter steps out into the water, which symbolizes the world right now. It's unpredictable. Water is unpredictable. The world is unpredictable. It's unstable. You have to be willing to walk on things that are unpredictable and unstable to get to Jesus. And the more you walk with God, the less concerned you become with how God is going to do a thing, the details about how he's going to do it, and the more you convinced you become that God will do a thing and that the outcome is certain and the outcome is the plan of God for my life. Can someone say amen? Forgive me this morning. I am less concerned with the details and more convinced that the Scripture is true when it says he who promised it will perform it unto the day of Christ Jesus. If you get too caught up in the details, you're going to spend your time worried about things that you cannot control. But the Word of God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. God has thoughts, but they're not the same as your thoughts. And God has ways, but they are not the same as your ways. In other words, God's not going to do it like you think he should do. 
it. We get frustrated because we can't think about the situation from God's vantage point because he's got options that I haven't even considered yet. I'd like to turn your attention to Joshua chapter 3, and this is where I will pick up tonight, but I want to lay the groundwork this morning. Joshua has assumed leadership after Moses. The children of Israel thought that Moses was irreplaceable, the man that led them out of Egypt and the man that was leading them towards the promised land. And the Lord tells Joshua, you have not been this way before. You have not passed this way before. In other words, where I'm leading you is unfamiliar. It is foreign. You have never been in this environment. You have never faced the challenges and the enemies that you're going to face. But he assures him, fear not. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. And in Joshua chapter 3 and verse 14 it says, and, it, and I want you to hear this carefully this morning. And it came to pass that when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, remember they're crossing into the promised land but they don't know what's waiting for them there. They've heard bad reports that focused on things that God never intended for them to focus on. And so they are unnecessarily hesitant to cross into what God has prepared for them. And when the priest that bare the ark dipped into the brim of the water. For the Jordan, anytime you see parentheses in the Bible, something really significant is being said. Anytime you see unusual punctuation, it is a clue that you ought to be paying attention. It says, For the Jordan overfloweth all his banks, all the time of the harvest. And the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city of Adam that is beside Zeratan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. God says, I want you to get the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolizes my presence, and I want you to put it on the shoulders of the priests, and those that are called to lead uh, will place the weight of the presence of God on their shoulders and get out in front of the people. They will not lead from behind. They will get out in front. If you're ever going to lead in anything that is God-led or God-ordained, you're going to have to get out in front where nobody else is. Into the water. Get into the water about 2,000 cubits. 
and the water would part and the people would have a way to cross over. Now, there is a parenthetical nugget contained in this passage that says the Jordan overfloweth its banks all the time of harvest. A river is different from a pond in that it has banks. Okay? The banks control the limitations or the boundaries of the river. It controls the flow. It controls the direction. It is a limiting factor. But the Word of God says that the Jordan overflows its banks at the time of harvest. In other words, during harvest, things will not be normal. The normal limitations will not apply. We like our lives to be predictable. We like our lives to be what we think of as normal. My wife and I do not drive to the office in the same vehicle normally because when we do, we always have a debate about which way to go. Now, my office is only approximately three miles from my house. So you would not think that there would be that many options. But indeed there are. And uh, so the other day, my wife decided that she was going to drive with me to the office. And of course, when we got to the rotary, the way that I normally go, she says, I never go this way. And uh, I, I knew that she was going to bring it up. Because the fact of the matter is, we are creatures of habit. And I think that my way is shorter as far as, uh, as, far as mileage goes. And she is convinced that her way is safer and more pleasant. So uh, we have this debate each and every time. And... But it's interesting, I'll bet that regardless of how many options you have, I'll bet that most of you drive exactly the same roads to wherever it is that you frequently go because we are creatures of habit. We like what is familiar. We like what we consider normal. I'll bet many of you eat at the same restaurants. And you not only eat at the same restaurants, but I have observed that when I'm with certain people, that the waitresses automatically know what they're going to order and how they are going to order it because we are creatures of habit. We like what we consider to be normal. I'll bet some of you, in spite of all the people that are in this church, I'll bet some of you only talk to the same two or three people before and after every service. I'll bet you you talk to that one neighbor that you know, and you probably don't even know the other neighbors that are around you. I'll bet you talk to the same people at work because we are creatures of habit. 
We do the same things at the same places with the same people, have the same conversations because we consider that normal. We don't want to change. But then we pray to God, I want something new to happen. We want everything like it is. Because we don't want to change. We don't want to eat anything new. We don't want to try anything new. And then we have the nerve to hope that something new will happen. We say God is going to do a new thing. God is going to break some limits, break some barriers, break some boundaries. God is going to bring me up out of something. But we have to realize that when he does so, it is going to require a change. As your pastor already said, thank you for that overwhelming response. The problem is we've become so confined by our borders and the banks of our Jordan until we can't get where we're going because we won't let anything new happen. So many people think they can continue to do what they've always done, and yet something new will happen. You've got to do something that you have never done before, before something that has never happened before will happen. It doesn't come by initiation. It comes by situation. God shows Joshua, you have to get the anointing on the people who are willing to lead in into the unpredictable, into the unstable. We have designed our faith to keep us in the same place because we fear the unpredictable, unstable nature of faith. And because of that, we risk dying on the wrong side of Jordan. Your life has another side to see, but you have to have the courage to see it. You may not know what's on the other side. You may not know what you will encounter, but you will see it over there, but you must be over there. You've got to know, you've got to trust that poverty is not your portion. Infirmity is not your destiny. God is with you. He will never leave you. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the God who was and is and is to come. He's the only God that can be with you when you leave, travel with you on the way, and be waiting for you when you get there. Because he is the God of yesterday, today, and forever. You cannot be fearful of an uncertain future. You cannot be fearful of what tomorrow may hold. Because we know who holds tomorrow. Can somebody say amen? It may seem normal to you, the situation you're in, but you've got to get a new normal. Normal is only based on what you're used to. But you can actually be living in a normal that is abnormal. You might be used to it, but that doesn't make it normal. 
God said, you've never been this way before. You can't carry the anointing any way you want to carry it. It has to get out in front of you. It has to lead you. God said to the children of Israel, did it ever strike you as odd that he told them to live in tents? That's because at any moment, the cloud might move. And he said, whatever you're doing, he said, don't drive your stakes too deep. Because when you see the cloud move, or when you see the fire move at night, I want you to drop what you're doing. I want you to get up and go after it. God is not worried about your schedule or your appointments or your sedentary life. There are times where God is a disruptor and he's going to turn what you think is normal upside down so that he can bring you into something new, something that is better. The banks keep the water predictable. The banks are barriers. I know where the water ends and where the bank begins. But God does something unpredictable every Joshua 3. God does something unpredictable every harvest season. When you see the waters rise up above their banks above the barriers, uh, beyond the limitations. When you see the water breaking the barriers, it's not an indication to be alarmed. It's not an indication to panic. It's an indication that it's harvest season, a harvest that you wouldn't have if uh, because of the... uh, uh, unwillingness to survive the unpredictability of something that breaks barriers. Now you say, how does this tie into John very quickly? John takes place, John 5, takes place at Solomon's porch. And Solomon's porch actually has five porches, the Bible says. Now when the Bible gives a specific number, There is a reason. It is talking about, it is speaking to us about the fivefold ministry. The apostolic, the prophetic, the pastoral, the teaching, and the evangelistic ministry. Now I believe that all five of those anointings exist today because that which is perfect has not come. Therefore, prophecies have not ceased. Tongues have not ceased. And I don't believe that the fivefold ministry has ceased. Uh, I don't mean to be controversial, and I don't mean to draw swords with what you've been taught, but I believe that there is an apostolic mantle that is in the church today. And when I say apostolic, I mean apostolic in the holistic sense. I'm not just talking about apostolic doctrine. I am talking about that, but I am talking specifically in this case about apostolic leadership. If you don't know what apostolic leadership is, one of the characteristics of apostolic leadership is uh, a, a person that steps into a hostile territory and opens it up to the gospel of God. Uh, a, 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 an apostle is different 
than a pastor in the sense that a pastor will nurture and watch for the sheep that are there. I'm not saying the flock won't grow. I'm simply saying that there is a under-shepherd nature to a pastoral mantle. But an apostolic mantle is one that is unafraid to go into not just a new territory, not just an unevangelized territory, but even a hostile territory and say the kingdom of God is coming and I am here to prepare you for it. Do you know that the word ecclesia is not a religious term when Paul used it the first time referencing the church. It was, a, uh, it was actually a Roman term which meant full citizens. And when 120 full citizens got together, they decreed what was lawful and what was unlawful in a territory. Their coming together was called the Ecclesia. Okay? In the book of Acts, what happened was 120 full citizens of the kingdom of God got together in an upper room and they began to declare what was lawful in that territory. Now, very often when a territory doesn't have ecclesia, then there is an apostolos, that is the Greek Roman term for an apostle, but remember, it was a governmental or military term when Paul used it. Paul is using terms that they are familiar with to explain what God is doing in this new environment. This is not in my notes, but I feel like I have to insert it so you'll understand. An apostle of Rome, an ambassador, if you will, would go into a hostile territory and would say, behind me, is the armies of Rome. The armies of Rome are coming. And when they come, you can kneel and bow to Caesar by force. But if you will let me, before they come, I can teach you how to become a full citizen. I can teach you the ways of Rome so that by the time the armies of Rome come, you will be full citizens with all the rights and privileges of Rome and you will not face a dangerous outcome. The Bible says that when an apostle goes into a hostile territory with the gospel, what he is basically saying is someday the armies of heaven are going to come and every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess but I can teach you how to become part of the church of the living God before that day. I believe that we still have such men amongst us today. Amen. There is apostolic, there is prophetic, there is pastoral, there is teaching, there is evangelistic, and it takes all the fivefold ministry for, for revival to happen the way God wants it to happen. You say, Brother Costa, where do you get that? That's some, some pretty bold stuff. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 12. I know Sunday school is somewhat of a Bible teaching. I'm going to preach 
hard and fast tonight, but I just want to lay some groundwork so you can understand. Uh, is this all right? Amen. 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28. I want you to see this. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. Now watch. And after that, miracles, gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. What is this saying? It's saying when the fivefold ministry is in place, miracles are going to come after that. Gifts of healing are going to come after that. Helps are going to come after that. Government, diversities of tongues are going to come after the leadership, the ministry is in place and ready. I know yesterday uh, was less exciting than today because it was business meeting. But at that business meeting, several key appointments were made establishing ministry and government. And I rejoice in that because it says that God is setting in this church church, not just the church, but this church as a part of the global church. God is orchestrating and setting things in order. Why? So you can continue to have miracles, gifts of healing, amen, diversities of tongues, helps. I want somebody to know that help is on the way. Can somebody say amen? We want to make everybody the same. But God doesn't call a plumber to do an electrician's job. Biblically, God has many functions within the ministry to build a church. You need the leadership of the apostolic. You need pastoral nurturing. You need the instruction of a teacher. And you need the voices of the prophetic and the evangelistic all working together to see miracles. Amen. But we have many barriers of our own creation in church today. Can I give you an example quickly? Why? Thank you for that affirmation. Uh, I'm going to give it anyway, so you might as well say amen. Here's an example of a boundary. Why do new converts, statistically, with the exception of Brother Fields, why do new converts statistically win the most people to God within the first six months of becoming a Christian, why do, do new converts who have received the least teaching know the least amount of scripture, some people would say are the least qualified, why do they statistically win more people to God than seasoned saints that have heard the word of God for years, heard instruction for years? I'm not rebuking you today. I'm challenging you to see a new normal. When you leave this building, you have got to apply this word or you won't get any results. We are so addicted to 
to teaching that we do absolutely nothing with. We don't let it change our life. We don't let it change our way of thinking. We're so conditioned to think as long as someone is here to sing to me and preach to me next Sunday, that is normal. But in John 5, they gathered those that couldn't see because they had no vision. They gathered those that couldn't walk because they had no faith. They gathered those that were paralyzed because their life was uncoordinated with their vision of the future. And here's the barrier. Here's what the norm was. That one angel showed up in one season and one person got their miracle. And they didn't know what day that that day was, so they sat waiting for their change. And Jesus asks a man that has been sitting there for 38 years, he says, will you be made whole? He wasn't asking, can you? He was saying, will you let it happen? And the man went to his same excuses He tells a story of what he believes to be normal about why he can't get his miracle. He says, someone steps in front of me. He says, I have nobody to put me in. My brothers and sisters, this is a season that no one else can live for you. No one else can do for you. You are going to realize a strength that is within you. It's going to come out of your belly. Amen. A new life is going to come out of the innermost parts of you as God is going to revive a strength and God is going to revive his promises that you have not dared believe or dream for for years. He says, pick up your bed and walk. Leave your excuses behind because the waters are overflowing their banks. They're troubled Because it's harvest season. Harvest season is not about you getting to the water. It's about the water getting to you. In harvest season, anything can happen for anybody at any time. When your river breaks your limitations, God is trying to bring your harvest season that you could never get on your own because you believe the limitation. If you'll stop worrying about how God's going to do a thing and just believe that that God is going to do a thing. You'll get your miracle. Is there anybody going as the musicians come? Is there anybody going through an unpredictable season? Is there anyone going through an unstable season? I declare today it's harvest season. As long as everything is status quo, you should not expect a harvest. As long as everything is as it has been, I should not expect expect a breakthrough. It only happens when the Jordan overflows its banks. When the rivers get unstable and unpredictable, then I have a right to expect a harvest. But if I insist on the predictable while hoping for a new thing, I will always take what God wants to do and I'll fit it back into my patterns and my limitations. But when you become okay with the unpredictability of faith, 
you are properly positioned for a miracle. By faith, Abraham left his family and walked, looking for a city, not knowing where he was going, because he trusted God in unpredictability. By faith, Peter walked on water, an unpredictable situation. And for the rest of his life, I'll bet he was never afraid of the storm again. Because once you've stepped out of your boat and out into a storm, you could say, I've done this before. I've been through this before. And God helped me then, and he's going to help me now too. Just like Peter's boat, things that you thought you couldn't do without, people that you thought you couldn't do without, excuses you rely on to keep you in the bondage of normalcy, of what you call normal, are being removed. But it's not to hurt you. It's so that your normal can turn into a miracle. I said I was done, but let me give you this one last illustration, then I'll get out of the way. Why do athletes increase the measure of their weight or the number of repetitions they do when they don't lift that much every day? It's because once they do it, once they break that limitation once, they know that they can do it again. Once you break, you know, it took, I forget the gentleman's name, but once that pilot, that first pilot, I'm sure your pastor knows his name, Chuck Yeager, once he broke the sound barrier, nobody had ever broken the sound barrier before. And notice if you read his story, right before he broke the sound barrier, uh, his plane began to violently shake like it was going to fall apart. He was fearful that the rivets were going to come out of their seams. And once he broke that sound barrier, all was smooth. And once Chuck Yeager did it, lots of pilots do it. Because it had to be done once. What am I saying? Break your limitations. Quit trying to be so normal. Be comfortable with the unpredictable. The unpredictable doesn't mean that the devil is winning. It means that God is setting up a miracle that is unprecedented. God is trying to give you a measure of faith for these times. The Christian life is a new journey every day. The Bible says his mercies are new every day. God says to the priests, he said, when you see the water rising, he said, I'm not going to part it like I did under Moses. He said, it's time to get your feet wet because it's a new normal. He wants to change your perception of what normal is. It's normal for you not always to know what your next step is. It's normal for the banks to overflow in harvest season. It's normal for God to do things that you don't always understand. Stop trying to manage God. You're trying to manage a God who refuses to be managed, and you're trying to understand a God who can't un be understood. He wants to give you a new normal. And I promise you this, 
what God is ready to give you is better than what you're hanging on to. If you believe that today, stand with me in faith. I know you've been through some challenging times. I'm not minimizing that in any way. I know you've been through some challenging circumstances. I'm not ridiculing or making fun. I'm not even saying you don't have faith. What I'm saying to you is things always get unpredictable before the greatest miracles. And the more violence that happens in your situation, it's because the greater the miracle that God is establishing. If you've been through, through some turbulent and difficult times in, in this season, I want you to find a place around this altar. I want you to use the normal safety protocols that this church has established and spread out a bit but I want you to find a place around this altar and I just want you to lift at your hands and say God I don't always understand it I don't know why my situation is the way that it is but I am trusting that you are leading me that you are guiding me that you are redefining what is normal and what you have created for my future is for my good you are putting me in a better place whether I realize it or not you are positioning me for a miracle and a blessing that is unprecedented I I, I just I, I've been so focused on the struggle that I haven't seen the promise if that's you today I want you to come and raise your hands raise your hands to heaven on this Sunday morning and say God Make my new normal. Amen. Make it a brilliant future beyond my expectations, beyond anything I could have conceived. And I trust you for it. Even during a time of trouble, I trust you. I believe you. You've never let me down before, and you're not going to let me down now. Someone raise your hands to heaven and let the Spirit of God overcome you right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus. saying to somebody you've been through a chaotic situation but if you'll put your trust in him 
He's going to bring something good out of your chaos. He's going to bring something good out of the confusion. You've had something traumatic happen in your life, but God's ready to bring you to another level. We're talking about another level in the spirit, another level of anointing, another level of ministry. Anybody interested? First one, Brother Pat. In the things familiar, we find security. Resisting all the changes that the days and years will bring. When God decides to lead you through an open door, inviting you to walk in realms you've never known before. Hey, beyond the open door, there's a new and fresh anointing hear the spirit calling you to go walk on through the door for the Lord will go before you unto a greater power you've ever known before how many right now would just close your eyes Lift your voices to the Lord and begin to praise the Lord all across this building. Let's give God some praise right now. Let the Holy Spirit of God fill your vessel. Let God take your chaos and change it to glory. Let God take your traumatic experience and lead you to the other side of that Jordan. For at the harvest season, the Jordan always overflows its banks. Here I am, Jesus. I give you praise. I give you praise. I give you praise. Hallelujah. Oh, I give you praise, Jesus. God, take that chaos and turn it into something great right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I feel the Lord here moving on, on your hearts. Now, wherever you may be as we close today, would you reach out to the Lord together with me now? If you want to feel God's presence, if you want God to lead you, if you want God to direct your steps, if you're willing to trust the Lord, hallelujah. Just begin to praise Him right now. For God knows exactly what He's doing. He will never leave you nor forsake you.